0: Our scripture reading today is Matthew 1, verses 18 to 25. I encourage you to follow along in your Bible or in your worship guide where you can find the passage printed on page 12. If you are willing and able, please stand for the reading of God's word. Before we we read, I would remind you that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, Corey. I want to focus this morning what we call the virgin birth. The virgin birth. The Apostles' Creed says, I believe in Jesus Christ, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. As you know, the Apostles' Creed is a statement of faith. Whenever you recite this creed, you are stating your faith. You are confessing together with God's people, I believe... In the virgin birth. But why do you believe it? And why is it so important to believe? It was 15 years ago that a former pastor, Rob Bell, wrote a book called Velvet Elvis Repainting the Christian Faith. In one passage, he suggests that the virgin birth is not that essential to our faith. If Jesus had an earthly father named Larry, would it make any difference? Why do you, do you have to believe in the virgin birth to be a Christian? So why do you believe in the virgin birth? And why is it so absolutely essential to our faith? These are the questions that I want to answer this morning. This sermon will be more topical in nature... We'll consider one objection to the virgin birth. We'll consider biblical evidence for the virgin birth. And then we'll consider why it's so vital to our faith. So that's where we're heading. But first, a brief definition. Technically, we're not talking about a virgin birth. We're not talking about how Jesus was born, but about how he was conceived. So, it would be more accurate to say that, or it would be more accurate to use the phrase virginal conception than virgin birth. Virginal conception. I'll use the phrase virgin birth because it's more familiar, but keep keep that clarification in mind. We're talking about the virginal conception of Jesus. We believe that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit in a virgin's womb. In other words, Jesus was not conceived by the normal means of sexual union. He wasn't conceived the way each one of us in this room was conceived. He was conceived by the Spirit in a virgin's womb. His conception was nothing less than a miracle. Come on, really? We know where babies come from. Science tells us that it's impossible for a virgin to conceive apart from sex. Science tells us that the virgin birth is just not possible, period. Let's let's call this the scientific objection. How would you respond? How would you respond? There are many objections to the virgin birth, but this is a common one. How would you respond to a neighbor or a family member, a friend who said, you believe in a virgin birth? Hello? Science tells us that that's just not possible. How would you respond? There are many potential responses. There are many ways of doing apologetics or defending the faith. But here's the truth that I want to drive home this morning. It's this. Science Can't tell us whether or not a miracle can happen. Science can't tell us whether or not a miracle can happen. What does science do? Science observes God's world, his creation. It looks at the world around us and tries to explain it. So when you let a pencil drop from your hand, why does it fall to the floor? (laughs) <laughs> why, does, why do you get certain symptoms when you contract a virus? Why does a baby develop the way it does from conception all the way up to birth? Why? Why do these things happen the way they do? Well, science gets to observe God's world and explain it. That's what science does. Now, in all of this, science deals with the ordinary science deals with the usual the universal the mundane the normal you could say that science deals with the natural but what is a miracle friends what is a miracle a miracle is a supernatural act of god a miracle is unordinary unusual unique the exception not the rule So are you starting to see the limits of science? The laboratory for science is the ordinary, but a miracle is unordinary. Science doesn't have the tools to tell us whether or not a miracle can actually happen. Here's an illustration. I'm not sure if any of you kids got a pet fish for Christmas, but here's my illustration. As you all know, a pet fish is meant to swim in its pond or tank. It would be ridiculous to take a goldfish out of its tank and put it on the floor and expect it to swim. It would just helplessly flop about until you put it back in the water. Think about how science is like that goldfish. It's meant to swim. Science is meant to swim in the ordinary workings of god's world the fishbowl or fish tank or pond is where science does its work that's where it swims so to ask science whether or not a miracle can happen it's like putting a goldfish on the floor and saying now do your thing it just can't do it science can't tell us whether or not the supernatural can occur outside of its tank science helplessly flops Maybe another st- illustration will be helpful. <clears throat> in our popular imagination, science tends to take on godlike characteristics. In the popular imagination, science becomes all knowing, all powerful, all present. But think of the news about the Omicron variant in the last month or so. Think of what we've been hearing on the news. For weeks, people have been met. Asking many questions, many questions like these. How does this variant compare to the Delta variant? How many times have we heard that? Or how effective are the current shots, vaccines, boosters? And what was science able to tell us? What was science able to tell us? Initially, not much at all. We heard these answers again and again. We, we don't know yet. We don't have enough data. We can't tell you at this time, maybe later, but we can't tell you now. And what does that tell us? What does that tell us? First, it tells us that science is not God. Science is not all-powerful or all-knowing or all-present. It's just not. Science is not God. Second, it tells us that science deals with the ordinary. Science deals with data. Studies, experiments, research, it can't deal with the miraculous. So, can science tell us that the miracle of the virgin birth is impossible? No, it can't. It simply can't. The miraculous is out of its league. Science aside, this means we need to ask a deeper question. Do you believe that God is able Do you believe that God is able to work outside the laws of nature? Do you believe that he's able to work outside the laws of nature that he himself created and sustains? Or to put it simply, do you believe that the triune God can do miracles? Why or why not? We'll come back to miracles later. But for now, let's move on from the scientific objection to biblical evidence. Let's move there. Corey read from Matthew's account, and I want to read verses 18 and 19 once again. So this is Matthew 1, verses 18 to 19. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Make no mistake, Joseph knew where babies come from. Joseph knew where babies come from. Here he was betrothed and word got out that Mary was pregnant. She must have been sexually promiscuous, sleeping around with another man. What other explanation was there? And what would people think if Joseph went ahead and married her? What would they think? Well, they probably think that he was the father of this child. Public shame was in it for both Joseph and Mary. Is it any wonder that the angel comes to Joseph and says, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. Do not fear. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Science couldn't verify this pregnancy. No, it was a miraculous conception. And the angel said, name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And how did Joseph respond? He believed. He believed. Like Joseph, Mary also knew where babies come from. She really did. The Gospel of Luke records how the angel Gabriel came to her and said, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And how did Mary respond? How will this be? How will this be? Since I am a virgin. Science couldn't verify this pregnancy. No, it was a miraculous act of our God and Savior. The angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And how did Mary respond? Like Joseph, she believed. She believed. So, Matthew and Luke. We could also turn to John. Now, John doesn't record a birth story like Matthew and Luke, but he does tell us many things. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Later, later in the book, in his masterful irony, John shows us that people don't get it, They just don't. They don't understand. For example, in John 6, So the Jews grumbled about Jesus because he said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Hold on. Wait a second. Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? How does he say that? We know his father and mother. Or do they? Or John 8. Jesus said to the Jews, you are doing the works your father did. And they said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. In other words, Jesus, you were, but we weren't. Do you see the confusion? People just don't get it. They don't understand where Jesus really came from. And that confusion is what runs rampant in our world today. Today, this very day, People don't understand the origins of Jesus. People don't understand where he really came from. And so I ask you, do you know, do you know where Jesus came from? Here again, the witness of God's true and authoritative word. Matthew, Luke, and John tell us that Jesus' conception was not normal. He was not conceived by the normal means of sex. No, he was mysteriously conceived by the Spirit in a virgin's womb. The Son of God took to himself a human nature. This is the miracle of the virgin birth. And why is it so important to believe? Why is it so important? Why is it so vital? Why is it so essential? We've considered the scientific objection We've considered biblical evidence. Now let's turn to why is it so important? Why is it vital, absolutely vital, to your faith as a Christian? Why does it matter? Let me point out three things. First, God initiates salvation. The virgin birth teaches us that God initiates salvation. Do you remember the Old Testament story of Sarah? Sarah was childless because she was infertile. Yet God promised her and Abraham that she would bear a son. And a barren woman bore a son named Isaac. Do you remember the story of Hannah? Hannah, too, was childless because she was infertile. Yet God came to her and promised her that her and Elkanah would have a son. And a barren woman bore a son named Samuel. Do you remember the story of Elizabeth? Elizabeth also was barren because she was infertile. Yet God came to her and promised a son. And a barren woman bore a son named John. Isaac, Samuel, John, we could name others. But are you starting to see the pattern in God's word? Are you starting to see the pattern in Scripture? It's this miraculous pattern of barrenness to fruitfulness, of hopelessness to life, of death to life. God steps into a hopeless situation and carries forward his plan to save. So with that pattern in in mind, with that biblical pattern in mind, we get to Mary. When she arrives on the scene, what might you expect? Okay, well, we know how this has gone. Sarah, Hannah, Elizabeth, and others, we know what's going to happen. Mary is a barren woman who's infertile, but she'll conceive and bear a son. But that's not what we find, is it? No, it's not a barren woman who conceives. At this moment in all of redemptive history, this climactic moment, it's not a barren woman who conceives. No, a virgin woman, a virgin conceives and bears the promised son. So do you see, all throughout the Bible, all throughout the Bible, we see this pattern of God initiating salvation. It is God who steps into our helpless condition. It's the story of a big and holy God initiating to save small and unholy sinners like us. Salvation is first and foremost about him and his glory and his initiative to save. Think of it this way. It is God who initiates And it is we who respond. God initiates, and we respond. Always. Is that your view of God? Is that your view of God? Or of his salvation? Too often, I think, we tend to believe the very opposite. Too often, we believe that, no, no, no. We initiate, and God responds to us. We envision a small God who takes his cue from us. We envision God responding to our initiative. In other words, we conceive of God and of salvation with man at the center and with God on the periphery. Let the virgin birth be a reality check for us this morning. It's a reality check. It powerfully reminds us that God, the big and holy and great and awesome God, initiates salvation. And if you believe in the virgin birth, then this is what you gladly confess. You confess that this is your God and he uh, took the initiative to save you and to save me. So the virgin birth teaches us that God initiates salvation always. Second, the virgin birth teaches us that Jesus is true God and true man. Imagine this scenario. Imagine with me. Imagine if Mary had been like Sarah or Hannah or Elizabeth. Imagine that she had been married to Joseph for a long time, but was infertile. Then an angel appeared to them and announced that she would bear a son. And by the normal means of sexual union, Jesus was then conceived. Imagine that story. If that was true, what would we all be wondering? What would we all be wondering? If Jesus clearly had a human father and a human mother, then we would be wondering, is Jesus really God? Is he really God? We know that he's man. But is he really God? Okay, imagine a different scenario. In this scenario, Gabriel comes to the virgin and and says, Greetings, O favored one. A newborn infant is about to show up in your living room. This is no ordinary baby. He's the very son of God. Well, if that story was true, what would we all be wondering? We'd be wondering, well, okay, it's clear that Jesus came from somewhere else, but we don't know if he had a human father or a human mother, so is he really man? Is Jesus really man? We know that he showed up from heaven, but is he really man? Is he one of us? But we believe in the virgin birth. We believe that Jesus was conceived by the Spirit in a virgin's womb. Because Jesus was conceived by the Spirit, we know that he's truly God. And because he was conceived in a virgin's womb, what do we know? We know that he's truly man. So, Do you see? Do you see how the virgin birth safeguards two vital truths, the divine and human natures of the one person, Jesus Christ? The virgin birth teaches us, it teaches you as God's people, that Jesus is true God and true man. And if that's not true, there is no salvation. If that's not true, we are all going to hell. If that's not true, there is no hope. We need a Savior who is God and man. Now let me explain. Let me explain by referencing a carol. You all know the carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. We'll sing it in a few minutes. But what are the angels singing as the carol opens? What are they singing? Glory to the newborn king, peace on earth, and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. God and sinners reconciled. Let me ask you, how? How can God and sinners be reconciled? Well, the Carol answers that question because the newborn king is both God and man. No mere man could accomplish our full salvation. No mere man could accomplish everything that it takes for each of us as God's people to be saved. No mere man could perfectly obey God's law that we have all broken No mere man could die and satisfy God's wrath that we all justly deserve. No mere man could rise from the dead, conquering sin and death and the devil. No mere man could ascend into the very presence of God the Father and reign with all authority. No mere man could do all of this and more. But Jesus is no mere man. He is man, but he's also God. As the carol says, veiled in flesh— The Godhead, see. Hail the incarnate deity. Hail the incarnate deity. The virgin birth teaches us that Jesus is true God and true man. And because that's true, God and sinners are reconciled. Have you been reconciled to God through Jesus? God and sinners reconciled through him. Have you been reconciled to God? So we learn so much from the virgin birth. We learn that God initiates salvation. He, initiates, he initiated my salvation and yours. He, we learn that Jesus is both true God and true man. And the last thing I want to show you is this. The virgin birth teaches us that Jesus was not born with what we call original sin. Maybe you've heard of what's called original sin. It's a doctrine that we won't explore in detail now. But you can learn more. Just last week, Ron Ziegler actually taught on this very topic in our adult Sunday school class. You can go onto our church website and listen to that lesson. Original sin. So we can't exhaust that now, but let me give a brief definition or explanation. Start not by thinking about original sin. Start by thinking about original righteousness. Original Righteousness. In the Garden of Eden, that's what Adam and Eve were created with. Original righteousness. That's how it began. But they lost that righteousness when they disobeyed God and ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They lost original righteousness. And in the Garden, Adam represented each person in this room. He represented all of mankind. So his decision was our decision. It was mine and yours. The consequence is that each one of us was born not with original righteousness. No, each one of us was born with original sin. Each one of us, since the fall, every person since the fall is born a sinner. Well, there's one exception, right? There's one glorious exception. What about Jesus? Was Jesus born a sinner because of the fall? No, no, he wasn't. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. The eternal Son of God in his person was not represented by the first Adam. In his person, he wasn't represented by the first Adam. The person of the Son of God took to himself a human nature as the last Adam. And the Holy Spirit ensured that Jesus was born just like us but without original sin. The Spirit ensured that Jesus was born like each one of us, but sinless. The Spirit ensured the holy humanity of Jesus. The holy humanity of Jesus. And because that's true, you and I can be saved. That is the miracle of the virgin birth. We need a sinless Savior, and that is what we have. I said we'd come back to miracles, and let me do that now. Remember the point of miracles. Remember the point of miracles. Miracles are not arbitrary magic tricks. They're not random, entertaining illusions meant to wow us. No, that's not what miracles are. Miracles are acts of God that back up his words. They are supernatural acts of God that back up what he says. They serve always a redemptive purpose. Jesus said, for example, I'm the bread of life. And what did he do? He proved it by feeding the 5,000. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. And he proved it by raising Lazarus from the dead. And the angel said to Joseph, Jesus will save his people. will save his people from their sins. And how did God prove it? How do I know that I'm saved from my sins? How do I know? How do you know that you're saved from your sins, Christian? How do you know? If you're an unbeliever here, how do you know that if you come to Christ, you'll be saved from your sins? How do you know? God proved it by conceiving the eternal son of God in a virgin's womb. That's what the virgin birth is all about. The virgin birth backs up God's words, what he says. It backs up his words so that we, like Joseph, like Mary, like many others throughout church history, might believe. And so, may we do just that this morning. May we believe gladly, joyfully. May we believe and confess once again I believe in the virgin birth. We believe in the virgin birth. We believe in Jesus Christ, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. Amen.